The winter of 2022 is starting to bite and yet important news and events from the world of WA country cricket continues to roll around and enthrall with what it throws up. You're listening to episode 8, part A, and that's definitely what is called out. I am Rob Marshall, and this episode is brought to you by the WA Country Cricket Board. Part B will be launching in the days after this episode and features an interview with a WA Country cricketer who has gone on to currently have scored over 4,000 first-class runs and is still going and has a story enriched by learning his craft in the regions of WA. You don't want to miss this one. I'll keep you guessing on who it is. Don't miss it. Episode 8, Part B of Out on the Paddock. It will be out very soon. But sit back now and listen to Episode 8, Part A. Enjoy. So it's a big welcome to everybody for this episode, Episode 8, Part A of Out on the Paddock as we continue our journey around regional WA and wrap up Season 21-22. Continuing as we did in the previous episode um, of Out on the Paddock with a special focus on capturing those teams who celebrated success at the pointy end of the season. So let's kick off this episode with somebody who I don't reckon too many of you won't know. Um, He wears plenty of hats in regional WA cricket. He's the current president of the current Australian Cricket Club of the Year, Leshnold Cricket Club. He's been a major force and a contributor behind the creation of the brand new Women's Country Week that we've put a bit of a focus on in uh, previous episodes of Out on the Paddock. Really importantly, he hails from my old hometown of Harvey, but most importantly of all, he's the delegate and representative for Cricket Southwest on the WA Country Cricket Board and is here right now to tell us about all things cricket and the pointy end of Southwest cricket this season. Angelo D'Agostino, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much, Rob. Great to be here to talk cricket. And we're going to be definitely doing that because uh, we want to capture all the activity of what's happened in season 21-22 for the Southwest, and we'll kick off with uh, the southern end of of the competitions that um, the Southwest oversees, or Cricket Southwest oversees, and uh, we're going to start off with Warren Blackwood, an association that's uh, been around for a very long, long time in WA Country Cricket and has a rich history at uh, Country Week over many, many, many years. And this year's grand final, I believe, pitted um, two uh, very, very strong teams of the past uh, sort of decade, Forestry and Bridgetown. Forestry, who were last year's premiers, and uh, Bridgetown, who didn't uh, didn't get a Guernsey in last year's grand final, but I believe played in the previous four before that. So over to you, Ange. How did that one pan out this year? Thanks very much, Rob. And uh, I think you've already picked up on a theme that's going to go through all of these grand finals across the southwest. Um, but we'll start, like you say, as uh, down there in uh, Warren Blackwood, where Forestry took on Bridgetown. Um, Forestry won the toss and they batted and uh, got very good start. Opening stand with uh, Dan Ward and Kane Aitken. But as so often happens, often opening stand of 70 that is, as so often happens when one wicker falls, it brings a second. Yeah. And uh, the openers were back at, with both openers back in the shed at a uh, score of 71. So, but then some partnership bowling, by, or courtesy of some partnership bowling by Hugh, Hugh Mitchell and Lawrence Grant, who got two wickets each. Forestry were at four for ninety after their uh, after their good start. Then we had a thirty-five run stand between Andrew Tuttle and Brock Tempera. It put some backbone to the innings, and at the end of the forty-five overs, they were eight for one sixty-seven. With murmurs going around the ground about would it be enough with a uh, powerful Bridgetown batting lineup at zero f- none for fifty. The murmurs got a little bit stronger. Yeah, I'm until... guessing uh, they're getting a little bit nervous at that point, Forestry. Indeed. Yeah. Uh, until first change bowler Jared Johnson put his stamp on the match. He dismissed Hugh Mitchell, the opener, for, 30, for 31, and Mitch Clother within successive balls. And then uh, a little a little while later, James McLinden, the other set opener, and the score was four for 79. Another bowling partnership between Connor Ibsen, who ended up with 8.2 overs, 2 for 24, and Kane Aitken, 5 overs, 2 for 13, strangled the batting. And uh, 
Bridgetown were all out for 132 in the 37th, with Jared Johnson picking up another wicket, and he was nine overs, one maiden, four for 29, a deserved man of the match. Fair effort, that. And uh, I think we talked about this in the in the previous episode. How how significant is the pressure of a grand final, especially when you're chasing? You can be in as dominant position as what Bridgetown seemed to be at uh, 50 or 60 on the board and, and plenty of wickets in the shed, but uh, it only takes a few balls, as uh, many of us old salties know in cricket, uh, to turn that one round. That sounds exactly what happened there. So congratulations um, to Forestry on picking up, uh, that's back-to-back premiers for them. Back-to-back. And um, like, you, like you said before, Bridgetown is their first loss in five grand finals in which they competed in the last six. So uh, a fair effort, that. And uh, I'm glad you mentioned the word pressure, Rob, because uh, that turns up a little uh, in a few of these games. Yes. So, uh, yeah, yeah, I suspect that uh, most grand finals uh, tend to have their swings thanks to pressure. And I think one of the things we want to really sort of celebrate is that uh, for those who aren't aware, Warren Blackwood has uh, had, had a few sort of struggles over probably the last dec- decade or so but seem to be really powering along and they've got some great administration happening now. Um, I'm aware of uh, a few down there, including Jody Johnson, who's a, a powerhouse of uh, of the Warren Blackwood Association, now doing a magnificent job. So, uh, plus others, of course. Yes, well, you might remember our last uh, Cricket Southwest meeting where Jody gloated about some of the um, grants they, they've won down there. So, uh, they may be the first association in our uh, region to. Well, in fact, they've got a march on the rest of us. They will have matches under lights. Wow. I think within the next two seasons. Wow. Yeah, no, that's fantastic. So well done to Jody and all the crew down in the Warren Blackwood. And uh, we, uh, we, like I said, we're really celebrating the fact that that association is absolutely glowing places. Let's talk, uh, let's talk all things Bustle and Margaret River now. Um, so this one, uh, we've got a, a bit of a twist on, I believe, because... Not only do we want to uh, celebrate, is the word we seem to use a bit, but celebrate uh, this year's grand final winners, but we also want to call out um, and acknowledge some significant service that's uh, sadly coming to an end, um, but um, certainly is something we want to call out as being beyond exceptional, and that's uh, in the form of an administrator of uh, the ilk of Alan Miller, who has been the the secretary for the Bustle and Margaret River Cricket Association for 30 years now, 30 years. Uh, Going to throw out the challenge. Anybody li- tuning into this podcast, if you can top 30 years in administration, then uh, let us know. Um, but uh, Alan has not only been the secretary for 30 years, but has also been the main thread behind the newspaper reports down there for the B- Bustle and Margaret River Times. Um so, Ange, over to you, but I believe you've, you've, you're sort of going to uh, honour Alan with a bit of a, a, a reread of an article he wrote about that grand final. Correct, Rob. Alan, as you said, Alan's given some great service, so I think we need to, need to acknowledge that. He writes the article for the paper. He coordinates the umpiring, and he won't be lost to that, I believe. But to acknowledge his efforts, I thought we'd read his report of the A-grade grand final from, uh, from a few weeks ago. So... From the Bustle and Margaret River Times by Alan Miller, a faultless opening spell of bowling by club veteran Neil Langenhaven set up yelling up odd bods for victory in the Barnard playoff over minor premiers Dunsborough in the climax to the Bustle and Margaret River Cricket Association A-grade season at Dunsborough playing fields. And Dunsborough had uh, hosted this because they got to uh, top spot on the last match of the season. After yelling at Oddbod skipper Hay Columbera gambled on sending Dunsar into bat on a wicket still soft from an overnight thunderstorm, we must have missed that one, <laughs> Langenhaven returned man of the match winning figures of three for ten off ten overs, including five maidens. And Yobbs uh, dismissed Dunsborough for 118 in 43.3 overs. The highlight of Dunsborough's innings was a late order fight back of 42 by Jesse Gortry which included several outstanding backfoot drives to the long-off fence. Dunsborough was 7 for 46 when Gautry shared a stand of 51 with skipper Hugh Mugford for the eighth wicket to give Dunsborough some chance of defending their low total. 
going up odd bots, opener Chris Brook then anchored the chase with 25 off 96 balls as the visitors ground their way to a six-wicket victory. Hey, Columbera etched his own name on the Barnard Cup in style by winning the game with two consecutive sixes in the 37th over. It was the fourth premiership for Yobbs in the past eight years and they've played in the grand final for all those eight years. Amazing. So uh, thanks, Alan, for your service and uh, a small acknowledgement that we can all do for uh, for that service. Thank you very much. Yeah, great, great administrator, great effort. Thanks, Alan. Congratulations to to Yobbs, well done to Dunsborough for uh, finishing minor premiers but couldn't bring home the uh, the bacon this year. I'm sure they'll be fired up, ready to go next year. Just uh, for the listeners, uh, we refer to them as Yobbs. What does Yobbs stand for, Ange? Yelling up oddbots. Yelling up oddbots. <laughs> there we go. You might have called that out yeah. and I missed it. But uh, I, I know for a number of years I had to sort of question where uh, they were going with Yobbs, but uh, worked it out eventually. So great effort. Now, we've also got the results of the B and C grade from Bustle to Margaret River. We do. We're uh, in B grade, Dunsborough defeated Vass and in C grade, Kawarama defeated Dunsborough. So, so flags were spread around the association there. I should, before I go into something special that happened in the C grade for Bustle to Margaret River, we'll come to that, but I should mention Neil Langenhaven, famous name in uh, Bustleton cricket for a long time now. I've had uh, more than my share of battles with with Neil at Country Week and former Country 11 player and obviously uh, still going strong down there. So great effort from him to get man of the match. And uh, certainly, uh, again, congratulations to Yobbs. And they continue their dynasty, I guess you, they're probably referring to it as. If you've played eight years of grand finals, that's a fair effort. Um, so sure well is. done to them. But... Let's call out an, an amazing effort that uh, happened in C grade this year. I, I'll swing back to you on that one, Ange. All right. So uh, the Bustle and River Cricket Association is 110 years old. So Alan Miller's presided 30 years of that. What's so a third of that? <laughs> quarter. Yeah. But this year, the C grade bowling aggregate was won by a woman for the first time in 110 years of that association. And that woman is Emma Bresser. Mm-hmm. who plays her cricket with Dad Peter for, uh, for Nana in C-grade and I think she might have beaten a, a teammate for the Bowling Aggregate Award but you'd have to think that in 110 years playing against the blokes is the first time a woman has won a major award for the association. What a fantastic achievement. Absolutely. And I've seen Emma in... Uh, at uh, Country Week, and she now plays some cricket for uh, Colts down here in the in the BDCA, so she, she can play. She can. Well done, Emma. Yep. Well done. Emma's definitely going places, and uh, I'm sure we'll be uh, pressing um, to to maybe get a, a spot in our as we reintroduce the Australian Country Cricket Championships this year. I'm sure her name will be out there and and looking to 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 press her. Uh, um, position in that team of our uh, WA Country um, women's team uh, without putting too much pressure on there, uh, Emma. So uh, well done to Emma. Congratulations. And um, we definitely, again, celebrate um, all the teams that won grand finals in Bustle and Margaret River this year um, and also, uh, again, call out Alan's incredible service to, to Bustle and Margaret River over a long time. So let's swing into the the last of the associations of the of the cricket southwest variety, the Bunbury and Districts Cricket Association. Um, uh, potentially up there with probably the biggest uh, cricket association we've got in WA regional cricket at the moment. So some pretty amazing cricket um, again happened in the BDCA this year, and of course the BDCA um, had a very good uh, result at Senior Country Week, taking out. Um, the, uh, the A grade this year. Um, so some strong cricket this year in the BDCA. And uh, this year's grand final came down to probably the two teams that dominated for most of the year, although uh, Maris might uh, query that comment. So sorry to the Maris boys, but uh, Eaton and Colts. Colts um, at times played some um, interesting cricket, I guess you'd call it, during the summer, but uh, towards the back end, as they quite often do, Colts are always a, a strong proposition. So how did Eaton and Colts play out? Well, it's a good point you raised, uh, Rob, about uh, about the competitors, competitiveness of these two teams. In the last last eight grand finals that have been 
Eaton and Colts have been the protagonists in the in five of them. Yes. And uh, Eaton's played six grand finals in the last nine years for three wins. Mm-hmm. And uh, Colts' history goes back even a little bit further. They've been in 12 grand finals in, in the last 15 years for eight, eight premierships. So uh, they're more than competitive, both of these two teams. And um, Eaton finished on top of the ladder. Colts finished third and uh, Eaton... Through progressed through the finals and got to host the two-day grand final, which we have in the Bunbury and District Screw Association. Each day is 50 overs for each team. Uh, Eaton won a toss and batted, and uh, very it didn't take long to figure out that scoring was going to be difficult. And uh, they were dismissed for 159 in, the, in 49.2 with J- uh, Julian Cradelli top scoring for 35, and that was on top of a fantastic season he had uh, down here. Uh, Bowling aggregate, batting aggregate, averages, he you know, he just about took them all off. He, I hope he brought his trailer down to take away all his awards <laughs> on, on grand final day. Yes. Josh Grime chimed in with a 25 and Stu Clark with a 27 and uh, the bowling, the pick of the bowling for that first innings was Josh, Captain Josh Topless, 9.2 overs, two maidens, three for 28. And the miserly Cruz Jalala who bowled 10 overs, three maidens, one for 13. Um so Colts went into bat and got off to, shall we say, a bad start. And um, things looked really grim when they were seven for 67 with Bevan Bunnell, Riley Miguel and Murray Goodwin back in the shed. The big guns. The big guns. Yeah. So uh, another big name that came down to play down here, Bevan. He had a good season as well but yes. uh, didn't do much in that first innings. But Cullen Blackwood was the last week to four. He top scored with 39 and... Um, they were all out for 127 in 48 overs and Credelli finished with nine overs, four for 13 with <laughs> two maidens. And Liam Renton, eight overs, one maiden, three for 30. But a key key story in this in this innings or the next was that um, Aaron Quartermain for Eaton sustained a back injury very early on in the Colts innings and he was to play no further part in the match. So you can always, with hindsight, a great, great, Thing was this something you know a key a key Moment, yeah. a key domino perhaps yes. that uh, that went, yeah. that went against Eaton. They were all class, Aaron, and could is a match winner in his own right in many previous matches. Played uh, both here and out in uh, out in the the the, the uh, Narragin region and Williams regions of uh, the wheat belt. Exactly, I think uh, I think. With hindsight, I think they missed him as a bowler, and they certainly missed him in the second innings uh, as a, as a batsman. But in the, as the second innings uh, went on next next day on a Sunday, the sco- difficulty in scoring again was uh, was evident. But uh, top for, for Eaton, Troy Lewis top scored with thirty seven from hundred and five balls. Wow! At uh, and Eaton and he was dismissed when Eaton was six for ninety one. But then Kane May with a twenty got Eaton to a, to a score of one twenty six after forty nine point five overs. So they lasted their overs, but. Um, they lost their last four wickets, though, for four runs. So, uh, again, Miser Chilala, 10 overs, five maiden, one for 11. And watch, I was watching this game on Frogbox because we, we couldn't go uh, due to COVID, uh, COVID guidelines. And a person who was throwing the ball that has bowled a few... We're not used to him bowling much, as you, uh, Murray Goodwin, that is, but he has bowled a few overs this year. And this, in this game, he was given the ball in this innings and he bowled 10 overs, five maidens, one for 19. <laughs> and I think, again, with the benefit of hindsight, maybe those two spells there was another domino that uh, that counted against Eaton. There's yeah. 20 overs there for, went for 30 runs. So. Yeah. so that meant Colts had to score 159 runs to win. So could they do it in the last innings of a, of a two-day game? And a five for 53 off 24.6 overs. In other words, the last ball before drinks, things look very bleak. The, that last ball before drinks was the dismissal of Murray Goodwin. So, again, Murray didn't contribute much with a bat. But the thing that uh, was still in play was that Bevan Bunnell was still at the crease. At this stage, Credelli and um, Steve Barron had taken two wickets, two wickets each. So two wickets each of the five to four. 25 overs to go. And then Bunnell partnered with Colin Blackwood for a 32-run partnership and Cruz Jalala chimed in with a bat this time for a 39-run partnership 
until Bevan inexplicably was run out for 54 and Colts are seven for 124 in the 43rd over, still requiring 35 runs to win. Then Chalello was dismissed LBW to, to uh, Wintle for 38 and they were eight for 150 in 48th over. But Captain Topless had a great game and Luke McPherson saw them home with four balls to spare and uh, rightfully so, Ben Bunnell was man of the match with his uh, 50, 54. Yeah, absolutely. he played an absolute cracker, I've got to tell you, Ange. Uh, even though we had COVID restrictions, I managed to, uh, let's say, walk the dog for most of the afternoon around the uh, back end of the ground. So I actually got to witness that innings and Bevan's was clearly the innings that uh, that took it away from Eaton. Eaton uh, were extremely... Uh, uh, brave in their efforts to try and uh, thwart his efforts, but uh, he's 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 simply something very special in WA regional cricket. There's no doubt about that, as we've seen at many uh, uh, Australian country cricket championships over the last few years, and at Country Week and a few other places. So uh, the 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 cream came to the top, and Bevan played an absolute cracker. Despite getting run out at the crucial moment, you kind of felt as though at that point he'd guided Colts home. So uh, yeah, fantastic. Fantastic grand final, one of the best that I've, I think the BDCA's had in quite a while as an absolute ripper. I'd, I'd have to agree, Rob. It's uh, To me, it was a bit of an uncharacteristic Bevan Bennell innings. Yes. You normally yep. see, the, see the leather flying around, but uh, yep. I think he, uh, he he summed it up and really just had to stick around. Someone yes. just had to stick around and he decided it was him yep. and... Uh, Great, great innings, well-structured well, well innings and just what the team needed. And he's now a premiership player. Indeed he is. So congratulations to Colts. Um, they've been, a, like you called out, a dominant force for a long time in the BDCA um, and uh, continue a rich history of uh, just winning grand finals and pinching them when, when they need to be pinched. So congratulations to Colts. Uh, the BDCA runs deep. We've got B, C, D and E grade these days. Do you want to call out uh, the winners in, in that? And there was a little bit of a thread there as well. Yes, indeed, Rob. So the, uh, with the, with, you know, the, uh, the flags were spread geographically around the, uh, around the association this year. It was second grade won by Collie. Uh, third grade was won by Buttercup. Fourth grade was uh, Harvey Benger. Yep. And we celebrate that one, or I do anyway, my old mates. Yeah. And then uh, Borough Cup with uh, one fifth, so they're uh, got two two out of two grand finals uh, yes. wins for uh, for their, their their club. Well done, well done to Borough Cup. Yeah, a, a club that uh, definitely bats above its uh, or, or punches above its weight. You might say has uh, done for a number of years and a very very well organised club does a magnificent job. So. Congratulations to all those teams and it, it is it is really pleasing that we've seen a wide distribution in the region of grand final winners this, this past summer. But let's uh, let's finish off this uh, little section from cricket from the southwest with uh, the women's BDCA hotly contested this year. It's been going for four seasons now. The women's competition getting stronger every year. Uh, exceptional cricket. How did the how did the women's BDCA pan out and who were the protagonists in that match? Well, we had um, Marist, who were the top qualifiers, up against Donnybrook, who uh, finished second. Finals format 1-4-2-3. Marist, uh, by virtue of tying their semi-final, because of being top qualifier, got to host the grand final. And um, so they made their fourth grand final in a row. They'd lost all previous three by... Uh, by um, by inference, and uh, they were up against Donnybrook, who was going for their um, going for their second grand final after winning in their inaugural year last year. So there was plenty of twists in a plot, but uh, the plot really got twisted as this game has unfolded, and that's why I've left it to the end because people, if you're out there, got access to Frogbox, you need to get to the last over of this match to see one of the most thrilling finishes to a, a, uh, a cricket game I've ever seen. We mentioned the word pressure before and it, the pressure really came to the fore in, in, the, in the last few overs of this match. Um, so Morris won the toss and they batted. Um, 
Ebony Bilsic anchored the innings with a 35, 35 runs from 40, 47 balls and uh, built that on top of a, a good opening start by Ebony Buck, who put together a welcome pole of 17. And in their 30 overs, um, Marist were dismissed for 102. And as we say in the classics, would that be enough? But then, this, you know, as, as we also say in the pressure of finals, they had, yeah. to, they had to score on the board. So, yeah. The pick of the bowlers for Donnybrook was uh, Nat Flinch. He bowled six overs and uh, got three for 14. So Donnybrook went out after the chase and they started very well. Opener, opener's Lisa Smith, who hails from Anjuma, does the drive to Donnybrook to play every week. Well done, Lisa. And Nat Flynn put on 36 for an opening stand and then Ash Towers put on 23 and Lisa Worsfold, 21, got Donnybrook to four for 93. When you would think that they would be... Uh, in the box seat. In the box seat. Yeah, but definitely. Then, then that P word yeah, the came pressure. along. Mm-hmm. A, bit, a bit of pressure and some excellent fielding from Marist came to the fore. And I'm going to finish off this report by reading to you, if I may, Robs, the, yep. the lines uh, from the, uh, the report from the Southwest Times by Jackson Barrett to try and uh, portray this, uh, this thrilling last last uh, couple of overs and to really beseech the people out there in listening land to get onto Frogbox and watch it, you need to go to the four-hour, 23-minute and 10-second mark to see what unfolded in this. Yeah, I really encourage you to do this. Uh, Those that are listening in, jump onto YouTube, four-hour, 23 minutes, 10 seconds. You're going to see something that you will just... You'll have to watch it three or four times, I reckon, to kind of work out exactly what happens. Yeah, thank goodness for Rewind because it's exactly what I had to do. <laughs> I, I, I couldn't figure it out. But Donnybrook needed three runs to win the game from the final ball. So after a whole season, as so many of these tight games do, it comes down to the final ball. And a tie would be enough to give them the premiership because of they being the t- highest qualifier. But desperately lunging back for a second run to tie the game, Donnybrook's Willow Healy was beaten to the crease by the ball. But the plot got even better. The bales had been dislodged by a stray hand. (laughs) As Healy lay face down on the Forest Park turf, thinking the game was lost, non-striker Summer Towers came screaming down the wicket, pulling her teammate off the grass and forcing her down the other end. But their desperate efforts, sorry, were in vain with a throw to the non-strikers in beating Healy. It means Maris won their maiden flag without winning a single game in the final series, tying with Lashnot last week to book their (laughs) grand final place. And it came after a clutch final over from Gabrielle House, who defended just four runs, moments before being named the season's champion player. So the pressure did not get to Gabby House. She, She bowled very, very well in that last over. Congratulations, Marist. As Captain Jessica Barton says, the curse has been lifted. Yep. And boy, did they celebrate. Did they ever. If you uh, follow follow Marist Cricket Club on social media, you would have seen the ladies uh, well and truly let their hair down. They did, did a magnificent job of making sure that that first premiership won't be forgotten for many eons, I don't think. Um, so well done, ladies. Absolutely, four hours, ten minutes. Jump onto YouTube, look up or whatever method you can. You look up the uh, the Frog Box uh, replay of that match and uh, engage in it. Is something that will will absolutely just uh, blow you away. It was a finish for the ages. It was an absolute ripper and uh, commiserations to Donnybrook. They've uh, they themselves have enjoyed some some successes over the last few years, but uh, it was Marish's year this year. So, Ange, look, thanks very much for the summation of uh, this year's uh, Cricket Sour West roundup, roundup um, right from Warren Blackwood through to Bustle Margaret River and the BDCA. Um, and, uh, again, uh, we want to uh, thank you for all your efforts, all the hats that you wear in WA Regional Cricket at the moment, and I'm sure we'll, we'll get you back on the podcast again at some stage. No problem, Rob. Thank you very much for the opportunity. So as we continue to move around the region and move on from the grand final results uh, that we've just uh, gone through through the southwest, and uh, a huge thanks to Ange D'Agostino, who's an incredible uh, CCB delegate for Cricket Southwest, and all the other roles that we called out earlier that he plays 
phenomenal volunteer in our community and uh, a big shout out again to say thanks to Ange. But we're going to actually move from one phenomenal volunteer to another, <laughs> um, somebody who, um, if you haven't listened to episode two of Out on the Paddock, I'd recommend you go back and have a listen to uh, the, the, the dulcet tones of Jared Marquis and his incredible cricket story and journey. Um, so put that one on your bucket list. But we've got uh, Jared joining us from the Midwest Regional Cricket Board. He's the chair. He's uh, kind of, I guess, filling in for Brendan Joss at the moment who's uh, enjoying uh, putting his feet up somewhere under a shady tree, we hope. And a shout-out to, to Brendan, who's uh, also an incredible volunteer and representative on the Country Cricket Board. We'll get uh, Jossie on at some stage, I'm sure, to, to share what's happening in, in the Midwest. But uh, no-one better to talk all things Midwest than than Jared. So welcome to Out on the Paddock again, Jared. Cheers, Rob. Thanks, mate. First return guest. Yeah, I reckon you are. So you've got oh. another one up on Watto, I reckon. Good. Good. I'll let him know that you needed to get me back after the bounce down in uh, in downloads from his episode or something like that. <laughs> yeah, we'll go with that. <laughs> so, so um, Jared, another really successful year for Midwest cricket, maybe uh, not quite the results at Senior Country Week that... Uh, uh, they would have been hoping for, but certainly uh, a huge result for the Women's Country Week with two Geraldton teams take, uh, playing off in the final there that we called out in the last episode. Fantastic um, effort for women's cricket, again in regional um, WA, but in particular in the Midwest, and and still and some successes as well at Junior Country Week. So across the board, a, a pretty good year for Midwest cricket, and I'm hoping that we can do a deep dive now into the the uh, the, the pointy end, as we keep calling it, the, the grand finals that have taken place throughout the, the season, but just a bit of a quick summation on the season as a whole, and in particular the end, perhaps, uh, where many associations had some challenges around COVID in particular. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Rob, you're quite right. We're really pleased with how our um, country week sides go, particularly the under-14s team. Um, I'd like you just to remind everyone that I did tell you our 14s would be competitive at that competition too, Rob, if you can. You did. Make that you public. called that out. Thanks. Yeah, um, yeah they're, they're a great <laughs> bunch of boys and um, they did really, really well. We're really pleased. Um, the women... You know, third year of our competition, um, they've been outstanding. You know, the challenge is definitely out for them to front up in the same numbers in Bunbury and support the Southwest. And I know that there's a lot of ladies that are looking forward to that trip away um, already. Mm. Um, and, yeah, they'll, they'll be keen as mustard to defend the title for a third time for sure. Yeah. Um, yep. In terms of the season, um, we've got two senior competitions in the men's A and B grade. We also have a night series, the Young Motors Night Series, which is the T20 cricket. It's played at our magnificent Wonthella Stadium. You've seen it under lights at the ACCC. It's an outstanding venue. Um, sure and, our, and our women's competition, as I said, is in our third year. So um, if we go through the calendar, uh, at the end of February on the 25th, the T20 A-grade grand final is played. Um, Wanderers and Towns are traditional rivals in this town. Um, very much the, the, the two clubs that tend to go at each other at the pointy end, as you said. And this game didn't let anyone down. It was an outstanding um, match. Towns were undefeated, I think, or had lost one by Christmas. They'd won 11 games or something. They, was, they were flying home. And the second half of the year, Wanderers really picked up the back half. Um, they recruited a new guy who had played a bit of grade cricket at Scarborough in uh, Clayton Bruce Cherry. And he had an immediate impact on the competition. I think he scored three tonnes in four digs um, as a batsman. Mm. And he's a handy bowler and an excellent fielder as well. So we're very keen to get him involved in Country Week next year. And he proved to be a real difference throughout the final series. Um, Wanderers batted first. They made eight for 125. That's a super score in our T20s. Generally, 100, 110 is about where the par is. And that was on the back of the super veteran as the WA country boys call him, the cab sav, Shane Bidwell, he got a run of all 24. <laughs> um, the Towns held off a masterclass in the end on the back of um, their super veteran in Jai Russell, who's the A-grade country week skipper. He made 46 not out of 35 balls and anchored the innings home. They passed the score. Four for 128 was the end result of the first ball of the last over. And the last partnership between himself and Jay Combin was 46 off 32 balls. So an outstanding night for cricket. It really proved the night cricket really works. Um, we're so lucky to have the lights. It's just a great way to 
reward the sponsors in Young Motors, but also the players at such an outstanding um, level of competition. It was really all we could ask for. Spectacular result, especially for towns, um, but just generally for Midwest cricket to be able to have that facility. You're right, I have seen it. It is something, if you haven't uh, been up to the Midwest during the summer months, go up and if there's a night game of cricket on, go and have a watch. It's something really to behold and it's something I think as regional cricket continues to grow out over the next few years and, and decades ahead, Jared, hopefully we'll start to see that more and more around different venues as well. But certainly Wonthella is the uh, is the, the benchmark at the moment, I would suggest, for, for night cricket in regional WA. Great result. And congratulations to Towns, commiserations to Wanderers, I'm sure... Uh, uh, as we've called out with many of the other results so far around the regional areas, they'll be back uh, bigger and stronger again next year, although I think uh, you're about to move into the one-day um, competition and how that unfolded, and there was uh, something similar from what you've told me. Yeah, that's right. So the, the, we'll do the women's competition first, if that's all right. So that's, that's sure. a mixture between 2020 and 30-over cricket. So this finished on the 27th of February. They play Sunday afternoons. Um, Wanderers have been the standout team. They're such a young, talented group. And it was an amazing sort of season for all their players. There's some really familiar names in this group too, you'll know uh, really well. Um, Sportsmen's were the opposition and they've sort of been the bridesmaid for the last couple of years. So they're working really hard um, to be involved. Um, this game um, was a bit of a bit of an easier one for Wanderers. Sportsmen's uh, batted first, nine for 79 off their 20 overs, played on a hard deck. Sarah Prickett, who's one of our veterans up here and involved as a, as a really familiar volunteer in country cricket, made 17 or 15 balls. And young Tia Hatch, who's a 16-year-old, very promising fast bowler, um, made 20 off 33 balls. The, uh, the player of the match was Ashlyn Thompson, who you would know, um, Rob. She took an amazing, amazing four for 13 off uh, oh, four wow. overs. Um, she's taken wow. something. She was the leading bowler for the competition, took wickets at, at, at will, really, and is, a, is an exceptional talent who's played country 11 already. Um, Wanderers in reply did it on their ear. They were three for 83 off the seven, in the 17th over. Abby Green, another 16-year-old, really promising, made 29 off 42. And Charlie Bidwell, who's 15 at the time, um, Shane's youngest daughter of three, um, who are all talented cricketers. She made 24 of 28 through the middle of the innings. So an outstanding win for Wanderers and well-deserved. Um, the big deal about this is that Wanderers in the first season never won a game. And last year they mm. struggled to win games and didn't make the finals. So to go through and only lose one in this season was an outstanding result and really good reward for all the players. Well, we definitely celebrate that. And uh, on the back of... Uh, a runners-up position in the in the men's to, to to take out the women's is an excellent result for the club, and certainly probably more the call out is their growth as a club. Given that, uh, like you say, a few years ago they were they weren't quite as competitive, but uh, commiserations to sportsmen's and uh, again, I think the exciting bit there, Jared, is that um, you know you've called out the names of some talented juniors, which is really, really important, uh, or young young women who are coming through in cricket. And that's uh, that's definitely the, the exciting piece out of Geraldton uh, or Midwest cricket in particular at the moment is the growth of young young women taking up the sport and, and really excelling at it. So exciting stuff. Let's move into the, the, the one-day game. Yeah, just quickly, we'll just look at the B grade. That's a 40-over competition. That was played on Saturday 26th of March. Um, we had rain around on the Friday night and the Saturday morning, but this game started at midday on time, wasn't affected by rain. It was played at the rec. Um, interesting enough, this game was completely different in terms of scoreline to the A-grade final, which we'll get to in a, in a minute. Donga have taken all before them. I think they've played in six of the seven grand finals recently and won four or five of those. Um, they made seven for 200 um, on the back of some of their senior heads. Jamie Smith, 40. Troy Bedford, 42. Who you know well, Rob. And Darcy Stevens, of man of the match, was 61, who came in at number three. Townsend reply only made 101. Um, Daniel Guppy, the lone hand, with 44. And Chris Barron, another older cricketer who used to play some made great cricket here, made three for se- uh, took three for 17. So a big win by Dongra. There's some word around that they're looking to play some A-grade cricket, which would be outstanding um, within our competition, potentially linking with North Midlands more to make two sides. So we've got A and B-grade, and we're really hoping that that progresses and doing what we can to support that. Um, it'd be outstanding to play some A and B-grade senior cricket throughout the North Midlands and give those guys the opportunity to play under lights at Wonthella. So well done to Dongra there. Um, the A-grade game played on the same day. This was played at Wonthella. This game was affected by rain and probably a little bit too much for my personal liking. Um, unfortunately, the game 
was delayed and became a 40-over match instead of a 50-over match. It started at midday with a lot of extra work being on the ground and the pitch, and parts of the pitch were affected by water. Um, and the pitch was – it was a little bit one-sided. It would be too one-sided, the bowlers, I think, and the scorecard brings that out. Um, Towns won the, won the toss and bowled here, which is very unusual – one fellas roll around for being a, a ground where you can protect the score really well. And Wanderers rolled for 85 in the 29th over. Um, Bruce Cherry, this guy, Clay Bruce Cherry, he's been an outstanding addition to the club and to the association. He made 36 off 28 balls. He played a completely different game to anyone else, to be honest. Um, the Taylor medal, which is the best on ground, went to young Brady Collins. He's not young anymore. He's one of our better all-rounders. He took an amazing six for 32 um, oh, from wow. his 10 overs. Um, the bowling unit was outstanding. There was only four of them used. Um, all are talented juniors from within our junior system throughout, he being the older of the four. Um, and it was, a, it was a great great to see him get the reward there. In reply, it wasn't, wasn't easy. Towns took 38.5 overs to get the score and there was one <laughs> wicket in hand. So it was uh, nail-biting, to say the least. Yeah. Nine for 86 was the end result. Um, uh, a hit over the back of the, over the top of the bowler's head for one to win the game by Josh DeLacy. Um, the, the star for me, and probably very unlucky he didn't get mad at the match, was Nathan Podmore. Um, 48 not out of 106 balls. He came in with a score at one for five and batted throughout the innings. So very nearly carrying his bat if he's an opening batsman. And again, like Bruce Cherry, he just seemed to be untroubled. He hardly played a false shot and batted beautifully. He was dropped late, um, but that's tight cricket, isn't it? Those things cost you, and it uh, cost Wanderers and Towns got across the line for the double. And a rare back-to-back victory for them, not so much for Wanderers in their history, but the last time Towns went back-to-back was in the mid-'90s. So um, mm. really strong performance for that club. Um, Clay Bruce Cherry took three for eight, so handy day for him, even though he's on the yeah. losing side. So, yeah, great, yeah, a great grand final in terms of the scoreline, not a great grand final in terms of the scoreline, if you get my meaning. I, I do, um, but I guess, again, for the listeners who have been listening right through this series of grand final results around regional cricket, it keeps calling out the, the pressure of a grand final. We've heard it time and time again from... Great Southern through to the to the goldfields and and through the southwest in particular. So far, those grand finals that seem like they're a doddle don't always necessarily end up that way. And it's the pressure of uh, of of the of of what's on on the uh, on the radar to, to try and achieve that quite often brings teams unstuck. They get a little bit ahead of themselves. So, sounds like a fantastic game despite the weather, which was very unfortunate. Yep. Um, I guess the other thing to call out was that. Uh, you, um, the Midwest, and in particular the Geraldton Association, were one of the few associations that did manage to kind of limp through to a bit further into the season. So uh, um, that was, I'm guessing, a little bit more luck than anything. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, good luck more than good management, but in hindsight a good decision because they got the full season in and, and got some outstanding yeah. games, I suppose. So yeah. in the end, I think yeah. there was only two individuals affected by COVID that were pulled out. One missed out on a B-grade semi and the other missed out on a B-grade grand final. They happened to be from towns, um, yeah. which is disappointing for those individuals, but it yeah. didn't spread throughout clubs and teams, which is what we saw in Perth and somewhere in the southwest yeah. as well, I think. So, so yeah, yeah, that was that yeah. was a good result in hindsight, but, you know, yeah. potentially it should have been pulled up early. If it was me, I probably would have pulled the trigger, but that's me being conservative. Flip of the coin on that one, but um, yep. glad we sell again. We use the word celebrate. We celebrate that we we got through there, which is fantastic. Yep. And congratulations to Towns, um, and they uh, no doubt will spend most of the winter uh, letting their uh, cross town wanderers blokes know that uh, they carry the cup right now. I'm guessing. Yeah. Well, look, I think. The other thing to be said is that you talk about our junior country week and things like that. Both those clubs have got really strong juniors and they have brought in for the last five, six years probably the majority of the junior players in our country week side. So those boys know each other really, really well. Um, so they do get on famously, probably a bit more famously than their dads did on the field 20 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> so good, good, good segue. We'll finish this this uh, little session roundup of uh, Midwest finals. I, I saw online a really exciting match that happened in the under-17s competition and uh, uh, we haven't necessarily been capturing that in the other regions, but this one's definitely worth a shout-out. So just uh, maybe a, a 30-seconder on how that sure. one went, Jared. Um, yeah, just flat out the most amazing game of cricket I've been involved in. I was, I'm lucky enough to coach the winning side in towns. But our under-17s competition is is compromised. We don't have enough players to have more than two teams. 
And for the last three years, we've had a combined team. So this year's combined team was led by Duncan Gray and it was led by Wanderers. So Wanderers Sportsman's Dongra made up the, the combined side versus Towns who had a full contingent of 12 players. So this game went down to the very last ball of a 40-over game to win the match. So Towns have wow. chased down 146 and there was two individuals that need to be mentioned. Ben Ingle for the combined side made 70 as an opening batsman and batted through most of the innings. It was an outstanding result. And if anyone's seen Ben batting, that's the longest he's concentrated in his life. So it was an outstanding effort in a big game. And then Cody Giltrow, who is well known to our high-performance people within junior circles, um, he made 69 off about 78 balls and anchored the innings batting at number four and hit the winning runs of two off the last ball. So ice in his veins, mate. I was as nervous as anything bouncing around on the sidelines. So um, so proud of the boys, though, and really pleased for the result. Um, the good thing with that competition is the combine side won the night series. So they won the T20. So it's good to split the grand finals in that competition. That, that is fantastic and uh, I have been fortunate to see Cody and a, a cohort of other um, talented 14, 15, 16-year-olds coming through in, in, the, uh, in the system from Geraldton and the Midwest in particular over the last four or five years and there's some unbelievable talent amongst that group and uh, if you haven't checked out the photos on Facebook, go and check them out. Um, fantastic result for, for Midwest cricket. So, Jared, we'll bring that to an end um, and we'll move on to our next region but... Uh, uh, thanks for joining us today on Out on the Out on the Paddock, and uh, we hope that uh, you'll get a little bit of a break. We know how hard you work in um, in cricket throughout the summer, and I'm sure there's other things you'll be doing. But uh, from a cricket perspective, we hope we get you get a bit of a, a well deserved break. No worries, mate. Thanks, Rob. Thanks for the time. We really appreciate it. And as we continue to work our way around the, the fabulous WA regional cricket scene, we're now going to uh, park our wagon outside of uh, Mandra, Rockingham and a few other places in the Peel region and uh, going to catch up with our country cricket board delegate, Pete Ritchie, who's uh, joining us on Out of the Podcast today. Welcome to the podcast, Pete. Oh, thanks for having me. Yeah, welcome. Thanks, uh, Rob. Yeah. Pete, um, plenty again happening with um, Peel this last summer um, that's just, just wound up. And, of course, um, Peel have always been a, a stronghold in WA regional cricket and certainly um, sent a, a fair representative to Senior Country Week this year, looking to go back-to-back in the A section after a you know, magnificent win back in 2021. Um, made the final this year, but uh, just fell a, a bit short, come up against the very strong... Uh, BDCA team had a few sort of challenges I think uh, during the week with with a few injuries and certainly I know um, um, Hutch was uh, not all that well for you know obviously a very important player had been unwell leading into the into the match but uh, certainly a great effort by the the A section team to to make an A section final again this year. Yeah, no, it was great. Um, you know, uh, great to um, have those guys um, perform as good as they did. Um, I think uh, in the lower sections, I think the D section side, we made the um, final and went down as yes. well. And then yep. the other teams, um, you know, had some wins along the way, but um, didn't make the final. So, um, you know, but yeah, across Peel, I think we, you know, we it, um, did pretty well for the, you know, it's a great country week as they always are. And yeah, um, yeah you know, it would have been nice to pluck one off again, but. Um, you know, they don't come around that often. They're pretty special when they do, so yeah, um, make the yeah. most of it when they do. But, yeah, it looked great competition and, um, you know, that's what it's all about. So, yeah, yeah and, and like I say, a fully fit Tim Hutchison could have made a bit of a difference. Certainly, uh, I think one of the, having watched that match at the Wacker, the final between uh, Peel and, and uh, the BDCA, I think one of the, the most thrilling moments came towards the back end when Dan Abel put on <laughs> a bit of a showcase of, of, of uh, fine hitting that nearly uh, started to make a few of us ponder, could it be done? You know, he, he certainly gave it a red hot crack and, and, you, uh, and you could see the Peel ball were obviously um, not quite there on the day, but certainly were giving everything to try and uh, go back to back. But uh, as you said, it's, it's a it's a rare feat to even go back to back these days with the strength of WA country cricket and the different uh, associations rocking up with their their various strengths each year. Probably the other call out with Peel this year is again um, performed really well in the Country Cup in the Belt Up Country Cup. Probably lost a, a close one in effectively what was a semi-final, but could have also been a, a different uh, scenario for Peel this year. But they continue to compete strongly. I guess is the central message. Yeah, no, that's right. Yeah, I mean that was a pretty good competition. The um, the Country Cup this year, and I don't. Uh 
was close, could have gone either way for a lot for all four sides really. Um, down to uh, was you know which was which is what you want. It's great, great to have that um, closeness in the competitions. Yeah, absolutely. And the other thing that uh, we want to call out very much about Peel this year is um, back in in the A section final in 2021, we saw two. Uh, young men that uh, I think you've used the term um, over many years, Pete, generational cricketers, Corey Wosley and, and in particular Teague Wiley. And man, have we seen Teague go to a whole new level by um, uh, not only representing Australia at the Under-19 Championships in the West Indies, I think it was, but uh, also now being part of a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to to say he's a Sheffield Shield winner, uh, especially for WA, which has been a bit of a drought for a while. So uh, obviously everybody through Peel very proud of um, of Teague and what he's achieved. Oh, for sure. You know, it's um, been sensational. Yeah, look, you know, when he had a great um, World Cup and um, came back and, you know, really lucked in a little bit to get those couple of spots in those last couple of weeks with the um, Shield squad, but um, did make the most. I mean, he, he uh, held up his end and did his little bit and in what he did, in, in contributed to their um, to their wins, um, and uh, no, it was a fantastic opportunity for him. And, and um, obviously, um, Sammy Whiteman too. He's um, played quite a bit of cricket in our region as well um, through through his journey, as he would have come from the BDCA originally from down your way. Um, yep. So yeah, no, it was really pleasing to um, you know for that. You know, you think about um, someone like Sean Marsh has played for twenty over twenty years without a Shield win, and then Teague rolls up and. For two games and has one, but you know, look, it's um, team effort, and uh, you know, it's great for the whole team and the whole WA cricket, and obviously some for regional WA cricket because there's definitely a couple, at least a couple of good representatives in there from regional WA in that current squad as well. So. Uh, yeah, absolutely, and we'll throw Lance Morris in there. We'll claim him as well from Bustledon. So, uh, yeah, we had uh, nearly uh, a quarter of the, the team on that day who were, were uh, ex-WA regional cricketers, and it's a great call-out that you've made because you're not aware of this and I haven't uh, announced this yet, but uh, we want everybody to tune into Part B of Episode 8 of Out on the Paddock because I have, in fact, uh, landed Sam Whiteman as our interview. So uh, really... Uh, uh, and I know, having spoken to him already, he is an absolute uh, a rap for Teague Wiley and what he thinks Teague will, will uh, be able to do in the future. Yeah, look, I've known Teague since he was a you know, toddler, basically, and um, the journey that he's come on and, you know, just the growth that he's had in the last you know, years. I mean, you know, just uh, as a young fellow, just developing into a young man as much as cricketer, and that's what it's all about, you know. It's, it's about um, developing, you know, sport in general and, and cricket and team, team, uh, team sport clubs. You know the journey that he's come on. You know he's uh, yeah just a sensational young man. You know and and um, got it all in front of him to do. But uh, you know where his, his journey so far has been sensational. Yeah. Yes, indeed. So let's uh, let's get into the the wrap of the the season that um, finished. Uh, uh, I'm guessing about a month ago now for Peel. Yeah. Um, obviously, again, Peel, like all the associations or regions around WA, you know, had to struggle with how to to proceed with the uh, the COVID scenario that was in unfolding in March. But I think uh, there wasn't too many dramas there. Peter, from the point of view of Peel, and got through unscathed. Yeah, so we sort of took the the, the clubs basically voted to sort of go week to week. We, we, we would run the course and, and we had a couple of contingency plans where we may, um, you know, if it looked like going going sort of off the rails a bit, we could um, maybe play the finals, the top two teams and just play off on that that weekend or we'd have semi-finals on the Saturday and the finals on the Sunday to get us through. But um, as it turned out, we sort of didn't need to. I think it was a couple of players that may have missed a couple of games, but nothing sort of it, you know, wasn't um, one of those things that was catastrophic with any club to, um, to, you know, that we, you know, eight players from a team went down or anything like that. So we yeah. got through um, to the finals. And in the end, it was actually rained. It sort of, um, silly enough, yeah. after all the good weather that we had, was uh, actually rained. It sort of um, sort of made the day interesting in some some aspects. So um, in the A grade, um Waruna actually finished top but went out in straight sets in the um, semi-final and the preliminary final. So the, the grand final was um, played between Hallshead and Warmba Swans. So, you know, Warmba Swans have been one of those clubs locally that have sort of battled away for, for many years um, without too much success at the point end. You know, had a, some lower-grade success at different times. But, um, you know, a couple of times they've sort of looked to challenge. But, um, yeah, this year they uh, ended up with the grand, in the grand final against Hallshead. And... Um, on the day, the the um, the 
game got shortened. It didn't look like they were going to get on for a while, but they got the roller out and, and um, worked pretty hard to um, to get it. And the umpires made a decision and it ended up being a 29-over match. <clears throat> so um, Hallshead won the toss and batted first. And, you know, they got a pretty, pretty strong um, batting line-up. Uh, so... They ended up off their 29 overs, 716. Um, they never really sort of got going. Um, Levi Muller and um, Jack Manuel and uh, scored 19s. And uh, Michael Chappell ended up with 29 not out. And Chris Phelps, who's played a fair bit of country work cricket, um, he, he got run out for 24 odd at the end there. So, um, you know, I said for one one six. I mean, runs on the board in the finals always sort of handy. Um, yes, yeah. You know, bowling for uh, for Warmbra, um, Karen Eugle, who's played a bit of country week cricket and um, you know, in Parja Cup and what have you. He was the pick of the bowlers. He bowled his six overs because obviously he can only bowl six overs in the limited overs. So uh, and took three for eleven. So that was uh, really really big figures. Mm. So. Moving across, uh, Warren would come out to bat. They didn't sort of have too much to lose. You know, it was all, all in front of them. All they had to do was get that uh, 117 runs in 29 overs. So uh, yeah, they ended up doing it one wicket down um, in the second last over. So 27 points for wow. overs, one for 117. So young um, uh, Nathan Wakefield, um, he's only a young fella, he opened the batting with Dane Eugle. And uh, mm-hmm. they put on 61 before Nathan was out. LBW for 29, and then um, Dane remained not out 57, and Karen Eugle batted at three, and he made 27 not out. So, um, you know, in a pretty hard-fought game. Um, it was a good game of cricket in the end. Um, and, yeah, so really well done. That's Warmbler's first A-grade flag in our comp. They've sort of been they were one of the original um, teams within our comp. So, you know, 20, 29 or 30 years, to, I think 29 years um, to win a flag. So, um, you know, well done to them. And uh, Absolutely. Yeah, that, no, that's fantastic. I mean, uh, one of the things that we have found as we've gone around the country hearing results, we're, we're hearing a few teams, you know, win their first flag or get a monkey off their back or whatever it might be. So congratulations. That's brilliant for Warnborough and uh, some some uh, very significant names there. I myself have been on the end of uh, a Dane Eugle 200 at Country Week a few years back. So I know what uh, capabilities Dane's got and obviously it showed out class showed out in the final. Yeah, no, it was a good result, you know, in the end, of, I mean, mainly to get the game underway and, and actually uh, play. So um, that was a, a great result and a good result for competition, I think, as well, you know. So, um, you know, because there's been mm. the clubs that have been up there for a while. So, you know, it's, it's always good for, for that sort of result. In the lower grades, um, so the top two grades, A and B grade, play on turf. So um, Shoalwater were the highest placed team going into the final. They finished second on the ladder, but um, by virtue of fact that they um, won their first final when the grand final first, they were the highest place team. So they were versing North Bell Divers, who that would have been their second grand final appearance in two years in, in the B grade. Um, and uh, so that game never actually got off the ground. Um, the, the ground was deemed unfit um, through the through the weather. And... Um, so Showwater went through basically and won that game just on the back of, of being the highest place team. So, and Showwater's my own club, and that's uh, funnily enough, I think I played about three, three maybe four losing B grade finals, and um, so that's the first B grade final win we have won A, a grade a couple of times before, but uh, hadn't won B. So that's the first win for Showwater in B grade. So that was a good one to pluck off and get the monkey off the back there as well. So. Well done. Well done, Shoalwater. Yes. Congratulations. Yeah, and I think through the competition, so I think we had 12, well, I think we, well, we got 12 clubs, and I think we had uh, 10 of the clubs represented through the finals over the three weeks of the finals, so, which is which is a good result as well. Um, in the C grade, and this was played on the hybrid wicket down at um, Falcon, so, uh, right. you know, a lot of interest in that. A lot of people ask, mm. is that going? And I, my, we play, I played on it in the preliminary final the week before, Um and uh, first time that I'd ever played on it, and I think we it was 170, 173. We lost by three runs, so very close game to South Mandra. Um, but in the grand final, it was South Mandra versus Baldives, and um, Baldives was the top team. South Mandra were the second top team. Um, but very close game. When I say very close game on the day, it wasn't I mean they, they were very closely matched those two teams. But on the day, South Mandra um, batted. 
first and made nine for 245. They won the toss and decided that first. Um, and yeah, a guy named Craig Curtis has come down from the Swan Valley. He's only played with the enemy of Craig's only for a year or two, but he, he's made about 800 runs for the year. But in the, in the finals, he made back-to-back-to-back 50, so he made 91 in the grand final and set his team really on the path to, um, to victory. Um, mm. So, and another young bloke, um, Jaden Bryan, who he's put a couple of good innings together during the year. He made 67 in that sort of partnership. And, you know, other than that, it was just, you know, a few other little little pinch hits in there. But uh, nine for 245 in the grand final. And they're only a 45 over game. The A and the B section played 50, so they're only 45. So, Bell Divers are a pretty steady side. They just couldn't get off the, couldn't get going. And they ended up in all sorts of trouble. They were, at one stage, I think they were eight. Eight or nine for sixty-six, you know. So, just the way grand finals go, sometimes we're, um, you know, only scoring one hundred and seven in, in reply, basically. And young Jaden Bryan was the pick of the bowls there. He made four for fourteen. So, but yeah, so I mean, that was on the high big wicket. That um, you know, we'd had a bit of rain. They had did have it covered, you know, give it a bit of roll, but that probably played the best out of all the wickets. It was a, a good effort by yeah. South and Andrew to get that up. And um, yeah, so yeah, just in that sort of circumstance, it was quite good. And then the D grade was a real ripping sort of uh, affair. That was Hall's Head versus um, uh, Baldivers. And uh, Hall's Head batted first, and they had the uh, Burns boys, who are, uh, well, certainly Dale's played, uh, played would, would resonate with some people. Um, yes. Brother Ryan played actually in that game, um, not uh, Lee, but uh, Ryan played in it. Yeah, Hall's Head, you know, pretty strong side because I've got quite a, a few guys down there playing. They got rolled for 58, believe it or not. By, uh, wow. by Baldivers, and Baldivers got a pretty good batting lineup. So um, in the end, they all said roll Baldivers for 44. <laughs> oh, wow. And, uh, they pulled one out of, the, out of that there. So, um, yeah, so that was a pretty um, pretty uh, intense game there. Sort of actually was because they were playing alongside the A grade, and people just thought, oh, well, the D grade, so the D grade that'll just be – be um, over in Dumbledore and watch the A grade, but in the end, it was uh, they all ended up coming back over and watching the D grade. So that's a that's a stunning result. So I'm sure yeah. um, I'm sure Hall's head at all out for 58. We're we're thinking, well, we'll just get this over and done with and get to the pub. But uh, it, they got it over and done with, all right, but not the way that many would have expected. I wouldn't no, have thought. So, uh, yeah. and then in the E grade, we had uh, Showwater versus White Knights. White Knights were the high place team, wasn't going in and. Um, they lost the toss. Childwood batted first, made 103. These are four, this is a 40-over game now. The ENF play played 40 overs, and um, White Knights chased it down at six for 105 with um, just with a couple overs to spare. They did it pretty easy in the end, so um, good win by them. So that's um, well done to White Knights. Yeah, indeed. And Pete, one of the um, one of the things that um, definitely Peel has, has kind of led the way with over a number of years now, and certainly we saw um, the Peel women uh, participating strongly at, at Country Week, at the Women's Country Week this year. Um, how did the women's final play out for Peel this year? Yeah, okay. So the um, Beyond Bank Ladies T20 comp uh, that ended up with Hall's Head playing South Mandra. So Hall's Head were the previous winners from the season before. So obviously pretty strong down there, but um, yeah, South Mandra got over the top of them. So South Mandra, these are only T20s. South Mandra yes. made uh, seven for 150, and uh, Hallshead made eight for 133 in reply. So pretty close game, um, and that was played down on the um, on the uh, hybrid wicket as well, actually at Falcon Reserve. So. Um, yeah, so I mean that's coming along. Uh, they have started to modify the rules more towards a um, you know the propaganda cricket rather than the modified rules. So that's where yep. the progress. But yeah, look, um, and then in the um, the only other game that we haven't sort of spoken about was the um, retro. Well, the F grade, Warmbur actually won the F grade as well, so they bookended the competition. Um, they beat Hillman um, by a fair. You know, it was a wasn't a real close game in um, in the F grade, but. Um, they beat Hillman in, in the F grade, and then the um, the other um, game is the Retrovision T20, which is played on Tuesday nights up mm-hmm. And that's the you know mm-hmm. um, you can have a marquee player, and you know that's been going along for a couple of years now. Um, and that was Showwater versus um, Hall's Head, and uh, Showwater won mm-hmm. the toss and batted first, and ended up eight hundred thirty-five. 
Corey Wosley, who you mentioned earlier, was the marquee player for Showwater. And I think um, mm-hmm. Davenport was the marquee player for all set. He's captains one of the, uh, I'm not sure if it's Cosmos or one of the, one of the district sides up in, in town. Um, so, yeah, 8 from 35 off 20. Um, so Liam Richards, who plays for a uh, young fellow for Showwater, only um, at 19, he made 66. Corey made 37 in that total of 135. Hall's head in reply made uh, 7 for 124 off the 20 overs. And um, Davenport, who played Hall's head as the market player, made 68 of that. And Aaron Breach, right. who a um, few boys would know from around through the um, in the country work circles, played um, for WA Country 11 a couple of years back there. He made 21. He actually got um, So... Um, so that was a close game, and uh, mm. uh, yeah, I was actually uh, Corey did a really good run out. I was actually standing out the boundary watching that game, and uh, Corey ran Davenport out actually, which probably won on the game in the end, but threw it in from the boundary and uh, straight over the stumps like a rocket, and um, yeah, caught him a little bit short. So, um, but yeah, so that was a, a, a good competition, a good way to finish that competition as well. So again, sounds like a, a really um, exciting end to the, another great season in the Peel Cricket Association, and uh, certainly the, the the array of different clubs who who won various uh, grades or various competitions is, is quite well spread. So. Um, but I'm guessing we uh, we probably we need to call out Warmbra and their their great effort in the A A grade and uh, what they've achieved as a club across a long journey to be able to to to, to finally uh, taste that victory. I'm sure was uh, something that they enjoyed and probably will continue to enjoy throughout the winter. I'm guessing so. Um, Really, really thank you, Pete, uh, for that wrap-up of Peel Country Cricket or Peel uh, Cricket Association, I should say. Um, we we absolutely. Uh, are very thankful to the incredible, phenomenal, anybody who knows Peter Ritchie will know he works endlessly uh, for Peel Cricket and does a magnificent job and has served um, on the uh, WA Country Cricket Board for for a number of years now. So uh, take this opportunity to thank you, Peter, uh, for all that you do. And uh, we certainly look forward to... to, to um, Speaking with you again, no doubt on out on the pod, uh, out on the podcast, out on the paddock, uh, very very soon. That's right. Yeah. So um, yeah, we've uh, got ours. Yeah, give it give it a plug. Uh, I know that Peel have got their own podcast toting now. Do you want to give that a plug? Brilliant. Yeah. So it's a weekly podcast uh, that they, we do. So and it sort of does a bit of a wrap of the of the league and um, yeah, you know, we have special little uh, special guests along the way. I mean, Teague's been one of those along the way and. And a few of the other things we have little special links that we um, jump onto, you know, women's cricket or female cricket, and all sorts of different things. So um, yeah, so just if you ever get time and you're bored, you can uh, jump onto that. The 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 pavilion is that what it's called again, Pete? The pavilion, yeah. The pavilion, all right. Okay, there you go. You've heard it, folks. Um, if you're tuning in to, to this podcast, uh, why not uh, take the time now to jump in and have a, uh, have a listen to the latest episode of The Pavilion. So, Peter, we want to just thank you for this um, this opportunity to speak with you. And uh, I'm sure, like I said before, we, will, uh, we won't make you a stranger. We'll have you back again some stage in the future. No worries, Rob. All right, thanks for having us, mate. No worries.